You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Buenos dias, church. Good morning. I want to take a a couple of personal moments. Um, My mom, who uh, Choco, who is, yeah, everybody has a Choco, right? Um, My mom, um, I was telling, she comes to church once in a while, and I was telling her that I was coming to teach, and she's like, you're going to do what? And she didn't believe me, right? So I figured I better take a picture so I could prove it to her. So if you all will wave to Choco, yes, I was really here. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for that. You know, I'm reminded as I was preparing um, for this day, um, how much work is involved. And so before I even get started, I want to give a huge shout out to Pastor Doug and Lee, all the pastors in the worship team. This was hard. And this is the third time I do it. They do it every weekend. So shout out to our team. It's really hard to do this, and it's scary. And I'm reminded um, about eight, nine years ago, I was speaking at this Christian conference, and my friend Manuel and I were to be followed by some huge international speakers. First, it was the Reverend John Perkins. He's a minister, civil rights leader. He marched with Martin Luther King, a Bible teacher. And then there was Shane Claiborne, also a Christian author and advocate for the poor and nonviolence, and actually he spent time with Mother Teresa in Calcutta. In other words, these were rock stars, right? And then there was Manuel and me. And so Manuel is up first, and he's like, oh, and you could just see him, he's all worried. And this elder pastor comes up to him and says, son, don't worry, God will provide. And Manuel says, pero sir, I don't know English very good. I've never done this before. I'm so afraid. And the elder pastor said, God will provide. And I look over and Manuel is you know, kind of stumbling. He's starting to sweat. And he says, but I'm so nervous. You don't know. I forgot my Bible. I forgot my notes. I left it all and I don't remember. And the elder pastor said, here, take my Bible. Oh, that was so sweet of him. And he said, remember, God will provide. So Manuel goes up to the stage and he's holding the Bible really close to his heart. And you could hear like applause. And man, Manuel is killing it. He's doing a great job. And so finally he gets off stage to a roaring standing ovation. And Manuel comes down just holding the Bible. And the elder pastor said, Manuel, what did you do? You read my notes. <laughs> now what am I going to do? And Manuel says, God will provide. <laughs> All to say, it's scary up here. So I'm asking God, please provide. So today I want to talk about a few things about leadership. You know, on my faith walk, I've come to recognize that my Christian faith is not only something I believe in 
or that I do on Sundays. Rather, it's a lifestyle. It's the way I show up every day at work with my family, my friends, who I meet. And I was tired of leading in this place where there was chisme and competition and conflict and lacking peace. I want my leadership to reflect love. I want my leadership to reflect peace. I want it to reflect Jesus. You know, about eight years ago, I was um, speaking at a conference for HEB, and I was in Corpus Christi, and I did my 45 minutes of teaching and went to the back to sign books. And this gentleman comes up to me, and as I'm signing books, he says, are you a Christian? And I went, excuse me? He said, are you a Christian? And I said, yes. And I thought for a moment, not once had I spoken of Jesus, not once did I refer to my Christian faith, but what he saw in me was Jesus. You see, that's the way we want to be seen every day, as often as we can to speak, but you know what? In our actions, how we lead and how we behave is what we reflect back, and that should be our Jesus. When I'm speaking of leaders, I'm speaking of all of us. The old definition of leadership was just too exclusive. It was people who had a big old title, position, or power. You know, I look at parents. Parents lead their families. Worship leaders. They worship and lead our voices to glorify God. Tony Lopez, I was here during the week, and he was setting up all the chairs for us. So we would have this beautiful environment to lift our voices up. So Tony, gracias. You're a servant leader. Yes. We all have to activate leadership in ourselves and each other. Because the church is desperate. The church is needing leadership. George Barna, who is a researcher studying religious beliefs and the behavior of Americans, suggests that the American church today is struggling and losing influence because of lack of leadership. Nothing is more important than leadership. Now, I'm speaking in general terms. I work with churches all around the country. And I am at this church, I am at City Tribe because they exemplify and demonstrate leadership. The mark of a true leader is the desire to keep learning. And we will see in Samuel in a bit how he exemplifies this. But often I hear pastors and church volunteers and business leaders say, I know everything about leadership. I don't need any more leadership. You know, I'm the vice president of global international stars and moons, and I don't know what. Or I'm the senior manager of I don't know what. That's when I worry. Because the title doesn't make a leader, right? Mm-hmm. Leadership does not have a finale. Like our faith walk, it's a process and a journey to discover and be curious and grow. So how does God invite us to step into leadership? Well, stop to listen to this. First, if I am made in his image, I am made in the image of what some consider to be the greatest leader ever. That's huge. 
When God decided to raise up a nation of his own, he didn't call upon the masses. He called out Abraham. When he wanted to deliver his people out of Egypt, he didn't go to them as a group. He raised the leader in Moses. Esther was a young woman forced into a king's harem and stood to battle in such a time as this. So today, I want us to learn about leadership. He invites us to the leadership table. Now, I often think, what does that table serve? Heaven is food. The gospel tells us God made himself the meal. A meal you will eat, I will eat forever. Eat my body and drink my blood. So what was on your breakfast table or maybe your lunch table? Ay, que unos ricos taquitos con barbacoa, tal vez un chocolatito, a little hot coffee, a stack of those pancakes. Yeah, some really good food. I, on the other hand, had a bag of chips. Lay's, not rigid, chips. Because my buddy Lee told me, if you eat these chips, keeps your mouth watery and you won't have dry mouth while you're speaking. So it's not on my diet plan, but oh well. I ate chips. So when responding to the invitation to the leadership table, I have this big idea, and I need your help for a moment. So I'm going to read out this first sentence, this statement, and I want you to declare the word that's highlighted and bold. You ready? Let's practice once. Leadership isn't about making our names known. It's about making God's name. You won better than the other two. Let's do that one more time. Leadership isn't about our names known. It's about making God's name known. Absolutely. And that's radical. It's radical because in leadership, there's so much ego. Uh, I did this and I got this award and I made everybody get to the top and me, 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 me. The radical part is shifting from this authoritative idea of leadership to one that is inspired by love by God's love. So if we think in terms of radical, we can say a radical change, for instance, is one that completely overhauls our thinking. So this morning, let's try this radical shift from this type of leadership in this video to something better. Just watch. What you feel means nothing. You are here for me. You are here to protect my interests and to serve my needs. So while it may look like a little thing to you, when I ask for a packet of sweet and low, that's what I want. Mm, how many of us have seen or been around those kinds of leaders and bosses? Yeah, I know. Today I want to introduce something very different from Kevin Spacey's little clip there. It's a model called servant leadership. So what is this servant leadership? Well, let me give you two key words here. Servant leadership is rooted in other-centric and one that leads to build up others. So when you think other-centric, that means I'm focused on you as a leader, not on me and my awards and my raise and I'm going to do so good. And the other important part is I'm committed to helping you rise up as a leader. And this servant leadership is a, is a 
practices that enrich the lives of individuals, builds better organizations, and ultimately creates a more just and peaceful worksite, church, tribe, family, dare I say, world. It become, has become fashionable to lead in this way. Many Fortune 500 companies lead with servant leadership. For example, Southwest Airline. Actually, they follow a servant leadership model, and actually their logo is what? A heart. And, the servant, and while servant leadership is not necessarily a faith-based model, we can find the first examples, stories in the Bible written before this became fashionable. Think about it this way. Jesus was a servant leader over 2,000 years ago. And still today, he has over a billion followers. How would you like that for your Instagram account? Billions of followers. So let's look at what the Bible offers us as guidance. In Matthew 20, 26 to 28... It says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for all of us. Wow. So while this model is now pretty popular, Jesus has been doing it forever. Greenleaf, who is the author of this um, servant leadership, says it's this feeling. It's a gut feeling in your panza. And it's going, yer, yer, and it's pulling and it's churning. It propels us to lead. And I think when I was a young woman in high school, I would have those pains in my stomach. Oh, I me dolía la panza, and it turns and chuckles. And I started to drink a lot. Just drink a lot. Pepto-Bismol, that is. Because I would watch the hate and injustice and the poverty, and my stomach was just turning and churning. How many of you could recognize that feeling in yourself? And all along, you thought, you thought you had gastritis when it's really a servant leadership. It's the Lord calling you to be that servant leader. Servant leadership has 10 characteristics, but today we only have time for three. So let's start with the first one. And my hope is that in learning servant leadership, it brings us peace. So let's start with listening. So I've got these ears. Bien chula que me veo, no? Listening is always a practice that folks say, oh, I do this really well because I've got great ears. But it's beyond ears. Listening is not hearing. So Doug talks about um, our Jewish brothers and sisters have a practice called the Shiva call. In Jewish morning, the seven days after the death of a visitor pays a visit and simply sits next to the mourner. Not saying a word. Only when and if the mourner speaks, will they speak. Because oftentimes we want to make things better and say, Ay, mija, it's really hard. I'm sorry. You're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's not okay. Right? It's not okay. And sometimes these words really are not 
what is required in that moment. As leaders, our listening practice sometimes do fall short, and they fall short in two ways. Sometimes when we're listening, while someone is sharing, our mind is going a million miles an hour, right? Thank you. And often it's because we want to solve people's problems, right? And so this person is talking to you, and you're like, okay, I got to tell them to do this, this. You're not even listening. It happened to us years ago. My daughter went to law school in Indiana. A South Texas girl goes to move over there where it snows, gosh, it snowed higher than she's. Chiquita mija, so the snow was way even taller than her. And I remember one day she calls home and she's so upset. You won't believe what happened to me today. I was late to class because there was so much snow. It was covering my door, all my windows, and I couldn't drive. And I made it late to class. And the first thing we're thinking, and we respond, mija, make sure tomorrow you put your car in the carport, cover the windows, and we're telling her what to do. And she already done it. But she had called home because she needed her mommy and papi. And we didn't listen because we want to sometimes fall, solve people's problems. The other way we sometimes fall short in listening is that we're not fully present, right? Like in that Shiva's call, we want to just be present. We're looking around. A ver, ¿qué por ahí? Híjole, look what she's wearing. Did you see that? And we're just kind of scoping all around, daydreaming. What's for lunch? ¿Qué vamos a ir a comer? What's going to be hearty? We've got to stay present. Jesus strongly points, points this out throughout the Bible. Samuel specifically teaches us how we can hear from God. As a great young leader, Samuel responded to God, speak for your servant is listening. And he exemplifies this in three ways. The first way is what we call genuine practice. Samuel was already obeying and practicing all he knew and what he was learning from Eli. What are we going to do as servant leaders? Well, being disciplined in our learning, reading, practicing, Think about it as a habit. The more I do this, it becomes a habit. Even Kobe wrote about it. The seven habits of highly effective people. It has to be intentional. You wake up tomorrow and you are thinking about servant leadership and how to do it. Secondly, Samuel positioned himself. He was in a genuine posture. Samuel lay quiet and still and removed all distractions to ensure that he heard and listened to God. We've been talking about peace practices, and in the last few weeks, Doug has said one of them is to shh. So as servant leaders, we are quiet. But it's hard to be silent. It's hard because we often, well, let me just do this. Uh, what is she doing? Are we supposed to applaud? Is she going to say something? Did she just have a stroke? What's going on with her? See, we want to fill the space with words. And that's not always necessary. And so finally, Samuel displays genuine presence. Samuel lived in the presence of God and placed his eyes firmly on God. 
Servant leaders are in the presence of that person speaking and places their eyes firmly on them. We often refer to this as the ministry of presence. I have come to learn that leaders can say we are listening, but our leaders sometimes are on a computer, they're on their phone, they're looking over their shoulders. We want to be like Samuel. Our posture, our eyes, our body fully engaged. So what if tomorrow, like Samuel, we started living out servant leadership, form a habit, and be fully present, be still and quiet, and just listen? Because if we remember, leadership isn't about making our names known. It's about making God's name known. The second characteristic of this leadership model is called empathy. Brene Brown is a scientist here in Texas and has done extensive research on empathy. She's been one of the folks who have, have recommended that we move empathy from just being a nice thing that we do to something that activates our leadership, that is necessary in our leadership. She defines empathy as connecting with people in our struggle or in our brokenness. And no one, not even Brene Brown, can be the responder to this brokenness better than Jesus. But let's take a a quick look at this clip and give us an idea of what that looks like. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space where someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, climb down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, it's bad, uh uh-huh. Uh, no. You want a sandwich? Um, Empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Mm. Empathy. It's a way to connect the emotion that someone else is feeling. It doesn't require that you have the same experience, But it's important because a detached leader is unable to effectively lead a team. They don't understand. They have to understand. And so the key to empathy is simply to connect, feel what others feel, just like Jesus so showed us in this example. So one of my favorite stories in the Bible that exemplifies empathy is the story of um, Lazarus and his sisters in John 11, 32, 35. Jesus returns to Bethany upon hearing Lazarus has died. And he meets Martha. And then he approaches Mary. And he sees Mary and she's crying. Right? She's crying and he looks into her eyes And Jesus weeps. Jesus weeps with her. Jesus could have said, hold on, just watch. I'm going to raise him from the dead. Just wait, and then we're going to party. Yeah, it's going to be so awesome. But Jesus stopped. He felt her pain and wept with her. How amazing is that? That this man in a human form could feel and want to be present 
in her pain. Huh. So the most powerful savior of the world wept? So does that mean leaders are vulnerable? Yes. And that seems counterintuitive too. We think of leaders as being powerful and strong and mighty people. But we have to be vulnerable with what we feel. It doesn't take away from our leadership. If we're trying to fuel connection, we have to fuel with compassion. The last characteristic of our leadership is healing. One of the names of God, as my friend Linda Pedraza taught me in our prayer tribe, is Jehovah Rapha, meaning the Lord who heals. Searching for wholeness from that broken place. Learning to heal is a powerful force for transformation. One is that its greatest strength of servant leadership is the potential for healing ourselves and healing others. God is not only the great physician who leads illnesses and diseases, he also redeems and restores people's souls. He comforts them in mental anguish, anxiety, despair. He is a wonderful counselor. By the Holy Spirit, the disciples of Jesus were able to heal and continue Jesus' ministry. In Acts 3, 1 through 11, there's a man who has been paralyzed all his life. And he's at the side of the temple. And Peter says, I don't have silver and I don't have gold. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, he says, get up and walk. And the man stands and walks. And they stand together and rejoice. Praise to you, Lord. And like like the disciples, Peter and John, we too can lead And be leaders on the journey of feeling whole and healed and inviting others to do so. My husband, Rene, and my best friends have followed Peter and John to continue as servant leadership in the the ministry of healing. While we don't heal, we call upon the Holy Spirit in our Cultivate program here at City Tribe Church. And while I have been involved in healing work for over 15 years Going through Cultivate, I walked with my city tribe sisters and I have come to learn and experience something so profound that has also then helped me lead even better. You deserve an experience like Cultivate. And groups will start forming in late August. Los invito a una experiencia hermosa, this beautiful experience in Cultivate. So you might say, yeah, Lorena, those are great words, but you haven't met my boss. You haven't met the leaders I work with. Oh, the one thing that I have come to learn and know is that the only person I have control over is who? Yeah. Boy, if I had control over everybody else, my life would be so much easier but I don't. And so I invite you to start to practice these principles. You want to lead in peace and start exemplifying it. So let's review for a moment. God himself calls us to lead. If I am made in his image, then I already have an example in him. 
Secondly, the Bible highlights examples of Jesus delegating to others, to me, to you, to all of us. Servant leadership is radical because it requires us to shift, shift our mindset. It's radical because it is based in love and not authority and dominance. Servant leadership has how many characteristics? And today we spoke of listening, empathy, and healing. So together I ask you, again, I'm going to point to you on that bold word. Leadership isn't about making our names known. It's about making Yes, once again, leadership isn't about making our names known. It's about making God's name known. Yes. And so um, I want to lead in benediction in just a moment, but I'm going to take my second personal moment. And uh, my granddaughters are listening and we worship together in the car and sing. And so I want to remind Annabelle and Laura, remember, nothing is better than you. So as we close for benediction, actually, I'm going to ask you to help me. So why don't you stand up? You will see a statement on the, wall, on the screen, and I'm going to ask you to declare the last word. So let's practice. My leadership will be? Yes. So let's do this. As city tribe servant leaders, my leadership will be radicalized. My listening will be intensified. My soul will be empathized. My heart will be detoxified. And once we do that, our tribes will be electrified. Our city will be mesmerized. Our church will be energized. Joy will be supersized. Love will be optimized. God will be And the heavens will be satisfied. Thank you and God bless you. A wealth of wisdom and a tremendous gem that we get to have in our tribe. Thank you, Dr. Garza Gonzalez, for imparting to us all that you've learned over the years. And so, tribe, we are about to dismiss here momentarily, but before we do, how about we pray together and how about we bless Dr. Garza Gonzalez? Would you join me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words spoken today. We thank you for Lorena's wisdom and her story, all of her experience, all the education that she has received, all the years that she invested into learning about being a servant. And we pray, Lord, that you would just increase her capacity as she trains up other churches and works in the communities, under-resourced, underrepresented communities, Lord, that more people would come to know you. And so, Father, we pray that the words spoken today would not be soon forgotten, but that they would be seeds planted and take, that would take deep root in our hearts and in our minds, that we too would remember to be servants, that you came not to be served, but to serve in order that your name would be glorified. And so, Lord, electrify this tribe. Help us with our 
impact to make you known. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone who agreed said, Amen. Amen. We'll see you all next week. God bless you guys. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.